Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we just honor you. We honor your presence. We honor your spirit. We honor King Jesus who gave his life as a ransom for us all that we could be able to see your glory. That, Father, when Jesus said, it is finished, the veil ripped and your glory and your presence was made available to each and every person on the planet. Regardless of perfection, in spite of sin, every man, woman, boy, and girl is able to press in and experience your presence because of what King Jesus did for us. And so, Father, today we honor you, Jesus. We give you thanks for your sacrifice. Father, we thank you that you so loved the world that you gave Jesus to be a ransom for our sins, to pay the price for our infirmities and our weaknesses. Father, we thank you he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. All we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all so that we could be sons and we could be daughters of the Most High God, so that we could have moments of your presence and moments of your glory. And so, Father, we thank you. You show us your glory. In wonder and surrender, we bow down, Father. You can have every part of our life. You can have every part of our family. You can have every part of our affection. In wonder and surrender, we bow down, Lord. And we thank you that the weight of your glory fills our life. That the weight of your glory just fills this week. That the weight of your glory just fills our services. That the weight of your glory just super exceeds every other weight in our life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just see in my heart like one of those old scales where you would have uh, something on one side and another one on the other and you would see which one weighed more. And I just see like this week so many people entering in with one side of the scale just tipped with cares and concern and worry. And it's just weighing everything down. But as this week progresses, the weight of God's glory just setting on the other side of that weight. And just completely lifting up and lifting off the weight of every other thing. The weightiness of God in your life, the weightiness of his presence increasing on you in Jesus' name, increasing around us in Jesus' name, increasing in our services, increasing in our campuses, increasing in our church in the name of Jesus, the weight of glory, the weight of Jesus and the wonder of his majesty. Father, we love you so very much, so very much, 
so very much. And we give you all the praise and all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen, 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 amen. You can be seated today. This is Holy Week, where we just turn our attention over to the Lord and his sacrifice for us. And I'm excited to, to be with you today here at our Lakeland campus. Uh, tomorrow, the fun continues at Poindexter. Uh, if you haven't been to the Poindexter campus, that'd be a good time to, to check it out and go see it. Uh, it'll be at 9, and then Thursday, again, we will have services at 9 um, at every campus but Fondren, because we don't own that facility yet. Uh, no, I'm kidding. We won't buy Dueling Hall unless the Lord tells us to, or unless they give it to us. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we will have, I believe, one day a full-time facility in Fondren. Uh, but until that day, we, we won't be able to access that for moments like that. So at every campus but Fondren on Thursday... And then on Friday, on Good Friday, it'll be one service here at Lakeland again at 9 where we receive communion um, and uh, come together and celebrate the Lord's sacrifice uh, for each one of us. I'm excited today to welcome all those who are joining us by podcast. Um, This service will be podcasted and wherever you're listening from, from all over the world, we're excited to have you here with us. And I want to ask all of us, including those of you who are listening on podcast, if you can, to open up your Bibles to the book of Luke. We're going to look at Luke chapter 11 today. We'll read from verses uh, 1 through 10. 1 through 10. I, I really had it in my heart uh, to teach on this this week. I wasn't quite sure when I would have the the opportunity to, but it just seemed good to me today uh, to open up this passage of Scripture. Uh, In Holy Week, we turn our eyes to Jesus, and what I, I really want to do today is to turn our eyes to Jesus and to see how he sees those around you who are connected to you who need a touch from him. Um, Now, how many of you know it's not by accident that you know who you know and that you're around who you're around? Um, So many of us have different connections with people, and, um, you know, some of uh, those times we have the same connections with people, uh, which is fun. And when you find out, like, oh, you know so-and-so, it's like, yes, I'm actually their cousin. It's like, what? You know, all those kinds of things. But you know who you know for a reason, And you're around who you're around for a reason. And there are needs in the the lives of the people you know. Um, And my question is, this week, how and today can we turn our attention over to what those needs are and to connect those needs to Jesus? Um, Because Jesus loves the people who you know. And he wants to invade their life. He wants to invade their their space. Um, But prayer is an earthly license for heavenly interference. And we pray that God's will is done on earth just as it is done in heaven. And, you know, I say this all the time when it comes to teaching on the subject of prayer. People think, well, if God wants it done, he'll just do it. Well, no. 
um, God has given authority to man. So he's given man the right to invite him into his space. Uh, that's why even in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is so important for us to understand. Why? Because in heaven, God's will is always done. That's why there's no division. There's no strife. Um, there's no political parties. <laughs> there's no, um, you know, anger. There's no tears. There's no sickness. There's no disease. Uh, there's none of those things in heaven. And out of that, that's because God's will is always done there. But God's will is not always done here. So we pray that God's will can be done here, just like God's will is done in heaven. And prayer is that portal that brings God onto the scene. And God wants to invade uh, your life, um, and this is what prayer is for, but also God wants to invade the lives of those that you love. And this is an important um, passage here in Luke 11 for this reason, uh, and I just want to open it up to you today. So let's go and let's look at it. Luke chapter 11 and verse number 1. And it happened while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us of our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation." Then he said unto them, suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, give me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come uh, to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, do not bother me, the door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed, I cannot give up and give you anything." I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, have you ever watched somebody pray, and then after they were finished, it's like, wow. <laughs> Did you ever think you knew how to pray, and then you got around someone else, and it's like, yeah, maybe I could brush up on a few things. Um, I've had the privilege of being around some wonderful men and women of God, and I can remember getting around, when my father passed away, actually, um, there was a, a missionary that we supported by the name of Christopher Alam. We still support him today. He's a wonderful man of God. He goes all over the world, really, doing crusades and revivals. And just, I, I actually had the privilege. He took me, when my father passed away, to Zambia and Zimbabwe. And we did a lot of those open-air crusades. And I would just stand on the stage and watch as God's power just hit people. I saw the blind see. I saw the lame walk, like amazing miracles. And before the service, I would get, get to be with Pastor Christopher and watch him. And there was never a time where I watched him pray that before service, he did not lay prostrate before the ground. 
And it didn't matter if it was a nice floor, carpet, dirt, wherever it was. It was just a complete surrender to the Lord. And he came the first time and he's like, let's pray. And I'm like, okay. So I close my eyes and I just start praying. And I open my eyes and he's on the ground. And I realized like I had one of those moments of like, would you teach me how to pray? Like, what is it that you're, you're doing? And I learned the art of surrender. And, and I learned the art of like physical posture reflecting and, and inward devotion. And there are many times where I, I felt like laying prostrate before God, even in a service. And I, I don't see anything wrong with that. But I also see like the, the side of like some things for me and God are between me and him. And, I, and you always want to be careful because I never saw Pastor Christopher do that in a service. I saw him do it in private. Um, and I kind of like that because sometimes we can do things in a service, even as ministers, that draw attention to how surrendered we may be. And at that point, the, the glory becomes more on our surrender than on the one we're surrendered to. Does that make sense? The goal of all of this is in ministry is to not get attention on us. It's to get attention on him. So anyway, but I've had several of those moments where I'm like, ah, how you pray is different uh, than how I pray and been challenged and encouraged to come up higher. And here the disciples are watching Jesus pray. Uh, I'm not sure if this was awkward for Jesus or not to just be in a moment of intimacy and just be watched by his disciples. But when he's done, he, he walks around and his disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. We're watching you pray. Teach us to pray. And John also taught his disciples how to pray. So would you teach us? And Jesus begins to give them what is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. Um, and once again, you've heard me teach on this before. The Lord's Prayer is not just a prayer to recite, although it'd be a good prayer to recite. It is a teaching on prayer. Uh, so you begin with, Father, hallowed be your name. You come before his gates with thanksgiving. You enter into his courts with praise. Um, and then it kind of gives an order on which kind of to pray. And I have prayed the Lord's Prayer model for years of like begin with praise and worship, then ask for his will to be done uh, on earth. Not my will, but your will. Your will be done in my life. Your will be done in my wife's life. Your, and you keep going. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive those who trespass upon us and lead us not into temptation. Give us grace to stand. All those kinds of things. It's a great framework to pray. But that's not the end of his teaching. Um, here in Luke 11, uh, he builds out the next point. And one thing about the Lord's Prayer that I think is so different than like our Americanized, Westernized version of prayer is it's all included in the plural, lead us, us, not into temptation. Give us, us, our daily bread. And so his point in teaching in the Lord's Prayer is it's not just a prayer you are praying for you. Teach us to pray. Okay, how do I pray? Pray for others. Let us receive daily bread. I'm mindful that so-and-so is in a position of need. Give them daily bread. Let your will be done in their life. And so many times in our Western world, our gospel and our prayers become so focused on us. Uh, Father, I need more money. I need health. And oh, by the way, Father, would you help so-and-so? Uh, so it's like we are a good 80% of the prayer, and then maybe God is 10, and then others are 10. And the, the model of the Lord's Prayer is like begin with God being the thing that we're coming to. 
Uh, Jesus came to reveal the Father, so major on his fatherhood, major on the one who you're talking to. Even Jesus, when he was teaching on how to praise, like, don't think you're heard for your much speaking. Um, you're, you're heard because you understand who you're talking to. Your father has, knows what you need of. Even before you ask him, it's like a wonderful barista who, like, before you even have to order the drink, they already know. It's a beautiful thing. They already know what you're going to ask even before you drink of it. And he said, that's your heavenly father. He knows what you have need of even before you ask. Major on him. Don't major on, I need a car, 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 I need a car. He's like, he knows you need a car. He knows. Major on his fatherhood. Have him be a, a good portion of your prayer life. And then major on others. Because the seed that you sow in their life is a harvest that you can reap in yours. Pray ye one for another that you may be healed. And so Christ and others becoming the focal point of our prayer life and not ourselves becoming the focal point of it. His fatherhood becoming the focal point of my life and not my need. Um, uh, others, what they're walking through, becoming a focal point of my life and not my own. And so in the Lord's Prayer, it's us, 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 us. It's all plural. And then to drive that point home even further, he tells a parable. He tells a made-up story. And he says, there's a friend um, who comes to uh, a friend's house, and it's, it's late, and um, he has need. He's on a journey, and he has need, and the guy welcomes him into his house. He tells him, I have a need of bread, and he looks through his house and realizes, I have nothing to give him. Um, he has a need in his life that I can't do anything about. There is nothing I have in my house to give him that will help him at all. And so it's real easy, like in that moment, be like, I ah, can't help you. Onward Christian soldier, you know, on to the next house, this type of thing. But he doesn't do that. He knows he has somebody who he knows for sure has bread. So he leaves his house. Do you see where Jesus is going with this? He leaves his house and he goes to his friend's house, who is always in all parables, find you in the story and find God in the story. He leaves his house and goes, what is God's house? And who he knows has bread. And he starts knocking on the door. And he's like, I want you to open up your door and give me bread. Why? Not for me. I have a friend. And he doesn't say, well, I've run out of bread at my house, because that was true. He didn't have any bread in his house, but that's not why he's knocking on the door. Remember, this is all in a, a teaching based off of what? The disciples asking Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so in the parable where he is teaching them how to pray, he's not knocking on the door for the lack of bread in his house. He's knocking on the door because a friend has a need that he can't help with. That in the natural, he has nothing to give him. That in the natural, he can't fix it. He can't solve it. He doesn't have the money for it. He doesn't have the wisdom for it. He doesn't have the idea for it. But he knows someone who does. And so he is knocking on the door saying, I know you have what my friend needs in their life. And I'm going to knock. And it seems like there's a little resistance. And it seems like, you know, the door is not being opened. So he just keeps knocking on the door for what? His friend his friend. He's just knocking on the door for his friend. And finally the door opens and he's like, I was in bed with my kids and those types of things, but nevertheless, I'll give you what you need to give to your friend. 
And Jesus would often teach like that, like if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your father and to your children, how much more um, would would God give good gifts unto His children? Somebody or the, the parable with the unjust judge. We're unfamiliar with those types of teachings. It's like God's not an unjust judge or somebody who doesn't want to get out of bed. His point is, is the how much more principle. That like, if Jackson has good restaurants, how much more does New Orleans? Like, you know, that, that type of, I'm just kidding, Jackson's food scene is amazing. But I guess you could say, if the suburbs have good restaurants, how much more does Jackson? You know, th- that kind of thing. So it's a play on words of like, if this would happen here, how much more would a loving Heavenly Father do this for you? And so out of this, Jesus is teaching that when you pray... Pray with the primary focus on who you're praying to, a heavenly father, and then pray with the primary focus on others. Of how many people are in your life that you know you do not have what you need, they need in and of yourself to be able to help them? How many people, there, there are things that my kids have walked through that I knew, like, I can't help them with that. But I know someone who can. Like there are things that maybe even your husband or your wife are walking through. It's like, I can't help them with that. But I know someone who can. I know God can fix anything. I know God can change anything. Or you have a neighbor where it's like, man, they're in a financial mess. And it's like, I don't have the money to give them, but I know someone who can help them. Um, and, and I know I have a father who can do something about it. And, and I, I just see so much of this like in our lives. And so even we kind of know this and we have like this, I'll be praying for you kind of mindset. But my question is, is are we praying for people the way Jesus said to pray for them? Or we are leaving our own house and we are knocking on the door with persistence and shameless audacity. When you look up this word persistence, it literally means shameless audacity. I love that word shameless, and it's a major word for us as a church in the month of, of April. It literally, literally means that like, in spite of anything I have done or how recent I've done it, I'm not afraid to ask big. Uh, I'm shameless. Like There is no shame in my life, and I know it's late, and I know I'm imperfect. I know I probably shouldn't be knocking right now, but I am shameless because I have faith in who you are. And I have faith that who you are is greater than the need that I have in the moment, so I'm going to knock on the door. Shameless audacity and persistence. Why? Not for me, for others. That I'm here with like, it's not just like, a, yeah, I'll be praying for you in 30 seconds in. It's like, you know, at the end of my prayers, it's like, Father, thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for this in my life. And oh, by the way. But with this shameless audacity of Father, intervene in their life. God, move and do what only you can do. Show yourself mighty on their behalf. And the next day, it's like, Father, I know you've got this. I know you are well able to perform. Move in their life, Father. I thank you in Jesus' name. You make yourself big to them. You know, making this the fundamental part of our prayer life of lifting others up before the Lord, their needs, and say, I need loaves to give to my friend. I can't fix this, but I know that you can. For his audience here, it resonated deeply um, that we don't have this same kind of, of mindset because of cultural differences. Um, in the Eastern world, especially during that time, uh, they were much more open as a culture to this parable because they fully understood the need. Um, in our world, it's like, oh, you should have planned better. 
You know, you're taking a journey and you didn't bring food. You, don't, you, you, you knew you were going to have to drive here from, from here to Orlando and you didn't think you would need gas. You know, and that type of thing. So we place a huge part of our expectation on individuality. That you will have to be uh, cognizant. You will have to be aware. And we don't mean it, but what we're kind of holding ourselves and others to is you will have to be perfect. Don't inconvenience me. And in that society, especially during those times, it was if you had a friend, you would have confidence that if you were on a journey, you could stop at their house and what was ever in their house would be what would be in yours. That you could knock on their door even at midnight and they would let you in because, you know, that's just the expectation of the culture. And just as they would do it for, for our, or you would do it for them, they would do it for you. That if you were taking a journey and you had a need, you could stop in at a friend's house and they would host you. And a big part of like acts, as you see, like that love being demonstrated so much. So it's like, oh, you're in need. I'll sell my house and just give you what you need so that we all have what we need. Even in the writings to, to, from Paul to, to Timothy, it's like be hospitable. That literally means welcome people into your homes. What do you see all throughout the ministry of Jesus? Jesus being invited into other people's homes. This was something that was very common. And so we are not interruptible. And we typically, as a culture, place so much emphasis on individuality that's like, I'll be John Wayne and Clint Eastwood, and I don't need an army or anybody else. We'll just come in and just knock it all out myself. And we expect everybody else to be that way too. And in Jesus' mindset, it's like, nope, when I send you out, I'll send you two by two. When I do life, I'll do it in community and connection. I will go over to Lazarus's house and sit at a table with Mary and Martha, and we will talk, and we will be open with each other, and we will share life, and we will do life together. This is not an individualistic world. And when you look at Jesus's ministry, don't you see that most of the miracles that were done in his life was when he was interrupted? As he's walking somewhere and a guy's like, will you come to my house? My daughter is sick, please. And he's like, okay. And then a woman comes and touches the hem of his garment. He's like, well, there's something there. He's like, tell me all the truth. And she stands there for a long time, so much so that Jairus' daughter dies. And it's like, don't trouble the master any longer. He's like, nope, I'll be interrupted. I'll come to the house. That in so many moments of Jesus' ministries, it's him being willing to be interrupted, his schedule to be willing to be interrupted. Is that not even the framework of the Good Samaritan? That I'm not so busy going on my life journey, focused on what God has for me or where I have to go, that I'm not willing to be interrupted. And even in that story, what do you see? It's like, I will take, I will pick you up and I will carry you to the innkeeper. The innkeeper is the type and shadow of the kingdom of God. The inn um, the, the is a type and shadow of the kingdom of God. The innkeeper is a type and shadow of Jesus. And, and this good Samaritan is someone who's willing to be interrupted. Like almost all parables are in this kind of regard. First miracle in the book of Acts, what is it? Guys, sit, the first miracle after the Holy Spirit has been poured out, what is it? It is a guy sitting at a gate begging, asking for money. And what does Peter say? 
Silver and gold have I none. I don't have any bread in my house. Like there is nothing I have to give you. There is nothing I have in my possession that can help you. But such as I do have, I will give you now. I will take you to a friend's house who's got at least three loaves. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he takes this man to Jesus. Doesn't take him to his own strength. He's willing to be interrupted. He's willing to pick him up and take him to the end. He's willing to take him to the innkeeper. His life is designed for interruption. We also have a much more critical society where we, we come and once again we'll look and it's like, wow, you should have figured out things better. We hear of a need and it's like, man, you could see that coming a mile away. And so we think so much more in a critical type of thinking of like what they could have done different to avoid this problem or what they should be doing that they're not doing. It's like, well, they haven't been in church in a long time. And like all these kinds of things where we come and, and we, we, we come to each other with complaint and criticism more than we go to the Father. And like they need three loaves. And I know this is something that, that me and my wife don't need to wade into necessarily now. Like, there's nothing in our house, but Father, I know that you can fix this. I know you can heal this. And Jesus said, that's how you pray. I, I'm reminded of the, the man born by four, and I'll, I'll close with this, and we'll pray, and then we'll worship. The man born by four is they have a friend in their life that they cannot give him exactly what he needs. And they give him community, which is wonderful. They give him connection, which is beautiful. But they know their friend needs more than what they can give him. They don't have bread in their house for this. But they hear of Jesus. And so they do something. They, they pick him up and they carry him. Now, I, I know that like when we, we have this image of people carrying people, like it's, it's one of those things if we imagine like a, a short trip, but I want you to imagine like picking someone up and possibly carrying them for miles. The strength it would take you to do that, the time it would take you to do that, how willing these friends were able to interrupt their lives, to use their strength, to carry their friend. And they get to where Jesus is, but there's resistance. They can't get him in the room. And so these friends pick up their friend. And I don't know how you do this without like ladders and pulleys and all these things, but they find a way. And they get up on top of the roof. And they literally tear the roof off to get to Jesus which I find so fascinating because it's like, it's not your house and I don't think there's insurance back then. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they worked it out. Um, but they tear the roof up and they drop their friend and lower him down before Jesus. And it said that Jesus looked up and saw their faith. Saw their faith. And I preached on this before, that we all need a, your faith has made you whole. Like, I love that statement that Jesus told the woman with the issue of blood. Your faith has made you whole. And while it's important that we have a strong your faith, I think it's equally important that we have a strong their faith. That we have people in our lives who can take us to Jesus when we need a touch from him.
but that we will also be people who, when we see people in our lives who are broken and hurting and wounded, that we pick them up and we take them to Jesus too. Now, can you imagine, just briefly for a moment, can you imagine the joy of that walk home? That you have a friend that you have seen walk through unimaginable pain. See the miraculous power of Jesus in their life. Because you were willing to carry them to Jesus. To pick them up to overcome the resistance and to set them before Jesus. And the joy of that walk home of knowing that Jesus did for your friend what your friend could never do for themselves, that Jesus did for your child what your child could never do for themselves, that he did for your husband, that he did for your wife, that he did for your mom, for your dead because of the power of Jesus and your willingness to knock on the door not because you needed more bread in your house but because your friend was hungry and had a need that you couldn't meet but you knew the one who could and Jesus said that's how you pray So let's pray today. You can stand, you can kneel. I I want you to think of someone in your life, and chances are the Holy Spirit will bring this person to your remembrance. To think of someone as um, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a son, a daughter, maybe it is a relative, a spouse, a father, a mother, a missionary, whoever it may be. Let's just think of who these people are. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to take our attention there. And then let's just begin to pray for them. Father, we love you today. And we thank you, Lord. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. And during this holy week, Father, we thank you. We turn our attention to Jesus and we turn our attention to others. And Father, we thank you that you are invading the lives of our friends and our family members. You are invading the lives of those that we know who are broken and hurting. Father, we thank you. Your will is done in their life in the name of Jesus. That the enemy's will and plan in their life will be broken, will be set off course, will be thwarted, and will be changed by the power of your spirit. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that his attacks will not stand, they will not continue, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, Lord, you lift up a standard, a standard against the enemy. Father, we thank you a standard is being lifted up, a standard is being lifted up, a standard is being lifted up, and the enemy's attacks... And the enemy's attacks on their heart and their mind, it will not continue in Jesus' name. 
Father, we speak healing over their hearts. We speak healing over their bodies. We speak healing over their hearts. We speak healing over their souls. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that your power is available to heal them. We thank you, Father, your power, your glory, your might is available to heal them. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Todd, just play on the keys some. And let's just have moments where you just pray for them and you call them by name. And you can space out if you want to space out or you can walk. I like to walk and pray. Whatever's good for you. But let's just have a moment where you call them out by name and you ask God to intervene in their life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this podcast has helped you spiritually, we're asking if you can help us naturally by sending in a gift or becoming a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc.